I just want to say I'm so grateful uh, to the bridge uh, just for how flexible uh, you have become. Every week is a little bit different. Every week requires uh, change for us, and I'm so thankful. Thankful that uh, people are tuning in online. Thankful that people are going to tune in later this week, and I'm so thankful to have real people uh, to talk to this morning. So uh, I appreciate you very much. I want to thank you again for your generosity. You know, we're not taking an offering here on Sunday morning. Um, and you have just continued to faithfully give online and um, or see that your checks get to the, to the bridge office. And I'm just really, really grateful. grateful. So, so thank you. We're going to continue our, our study, um, Hope in Adversity, in 1 Peter. And I want to invite you to turn in your your scriptures uh, to First uh, Peter chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 13 through 17, and we're going to talk about submission or freedom, okay? So whenever we do or wherever we go, you and I have to deal with authority figures. Uh, we have teachers and coaches and mentors. We have employers, supervisors, and bosses, we have the federal government, state government, county government, and city government. We have military authority, police authority, and judicial authority. We have laws for speed limits, stop signs, uh, stop lights, and roundabouts. We have tax laws and tax deadlines. Uh, sometimes, uh, and we have laws for who can vote and laws for who can get elected. Sometimes we instinctively obey those laws. And sometimes not so much. And sometimes we don't want to. Uh, sometimes um, we criticize and speak harshly and dishonorably about those who may have authority over us. The Bible addresses this issue of authority in our lives and how our attitudes and actions uh, tied directly to our spiritual lives. The Apostle Peter writes in 64 AD and speak to these issues that still apply today in the 21st century. In 64 AD, Nero was the emperor of the Roman Empire, the most powerful empire in the world. Now, Nero himself was less than an admirable character. Uh, when he was 21, five years after he had become the emperor, he had his controlling and manipulating mother executed. Nero had married his stepsister, and he had her put to death as well. And he actually had her beheaded and brought proof to his uh, mistress. But he got tired of his mistress later and he himself killed her. And I'm not going to tell you how he did it. After that, Nero was married to a young boy. In July of 64 AD, a devastating fire broke out in Rome. In Rome. Uh, some said it was an accident. Some said Nero himself had started the fire. Nero 
blamed Christians, those rebels against the state. Um, Nero was the most powerful governmental authority in the world when Peter wrote 1 Peter. And today we're going to look at this passage that Peter directs to us about authority. I'm going to read uh, chapter 2, verses uh, 13 through 15. And here's what Peter writes. He says, and so I want to invite you to open your text, and I hope you, if you have a smartphone, and by the way, if, you, if you're looking for a good uh, app for your smartphone, and if you don't have the U version, I think that's the very best app uh, that has the Bible, and you can download it and have it offline, and you can pick almost any translation that you want under the sun, which includes foreign languages and many, many English versions. Chapter 2, verse 13, Peter writes, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. So let's have a look at this. First of all, in verses 13 through 15, we are to submit to God's authority. We're to submit to God's authority. Uh, God has established authority on earth. He is the creator God. He's the designer of the universe. He created us. He created human beings in His image. Um, and all Humans have dignity because God created them in His image. And God placed humans over all of the created order in Genesis chapter 1. And He gave them dignity. And then God has called us to submit to authority that He has established. This is about His value system his moral code, and his plan. In fact, it's his strategy to reach our world. So, let me just start with a question. What is submission? Submission means to voluntarily place yourself under the authority of another. It's a choice. It is not subjugation. It's not about being controlled by someone. It's a voluntary choice to submit to authority. For example, this is a really huge. I stopped at a stoplight this morning. I could have gotten here a couple of minutes earlier, but I chose to stop when the light turned red. It was a choice. Um, why should I submit? Now, this is important because I don't think it's often considered, you know, is there, are there reasons, okay? Think about this. Reason number one, it's for the Lord's sake. We can see that in verses 13 and 14. Ultimately, you and I are to submit by choice for the Lord's sake, for His reputation. He is my ultimate authority. 
Jesus is my Lord. He is my Master. Look at our text, verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. Certainly going to include government. It's going to include a lot of different authorities over us. And I would suggest it includes some people like our employer, our supervisor. Um, So this is God's desire. It's God's plan for the advancement of the gospel. It's his order. Uh, And this is his, uh, and it's an important strategy that God implemented for disciple making. So submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority. Now, you think about the example that Peter is referring to. Everybody knows he's talking about Nero. And he wasn't well liked. And he, he, he did a lot of things that didn't honor God. I don't know of many things that you could say honored God, and yet God says we are to submit to governing authorities, we are to submit uh, to the most powerful leader of our country. He, he continues, um, and, and, and one of the things that was different about Nero, think about this, think about our country, and you know, I know that we don't like everything that our government does or says, okay? The great thing is we're, we're free to disagree with our government. Um, but Nero was a dictator. There were laws in Rome. Rome was good at laws. And they had some good laws that protected people. But a dictator didn't have to go by the laws all the time. And he could... Uh, make things happen that had nothing to do with the law. And yet there's a command for us to submit. And that meant submitting to Nero in the first century, and we don't have anything like that today. Uh, Peter also includes governors who were sent by the the emperor uh, to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. To punish, and we saw this in Romans 13 a few weeks back when we looked at that passage, how God raises up government as his authorities. And one of the responsibilities government has is to execute justice. They don't do it perfectly, but they do bring some sense of order. Even bad governments have brought some sense of order to nations. Um, Roman governors uh, in Peter's day weren't always fair and just. I mean, we had Pontius Pilate just before uh, in Peter's lifetime. Uh, He ordered uh, the crucifixion of Jesus. Not always fair and just. Um, In the first century, not only did government officials uh, punish those who did wrong, but at times they also commended those who were doing right. We see this sometimes in our world today. Um, in, in the first century, there were sometimes Christian benefactors who used their resources to help their communities. You know, there was no nonprofit, so they could, you know, uh, get a tax break. But they just 
used their resources and sometimes they fed the poor with great financial gifts. Sometimes they did things like building a building that needed to be built in the community or building a road that needed to happen. They, they, they just were involved in doing good in their world. And, and in the first century, they were sometimes commended. Sometimes statues were built uh, for them. Now, these weren't people necessarily. I mean, their people had all kinds of motives for doing good. But the point is that there were Christians following Christ who were doing good. And sometimes they were commended. Um, we are to submit to governing authorities for the sake of Christ, to follow Him, to represent Him, uh, to be like Him as He submitted to government authorities. And Jesus has this strategy for us to represent Him and to impact our world which includes submitting to government authority. Reason number two, verse 15, it is God's will. Look at 15. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Christians have been blamed for a lot of things throughout history, including the fire that burned a significant amount of Rome to the ground in the first century. Um, Peter describes it as foolish talk. For 2,000 years, Christians have been criticized, sometimes fairly and justly, because sometimes Christians do some really stupid things, and they say stupid things, and they act poorly. But sometimes they've been criticized unfairly. And how we live impacts our world. Um, For example... Uh, We get criticized today, don't we? If you believe in the sanctity of human life, some will say you're out of touch with our times. If you have a high value on marriage as one man and woman united together by God for a lifetime, some will say that you're homophobic. If you believe the Bible is true, some will say you're uninformed and ignorant. If you believe that Jesus is the only way to God, some will say you are narrow-minded and intolerant. People are watching. People are watching Christians on how they live, what they say, their attitudes, and their actions. And they can have a huge impact. Do we reflect Christ? Do we want to win arguments or win people? There's a huge difference. It's God's plan for Christ's followers to be voluntarily under the authority of our government. And it's not just when we like it. It's a general rule for all the time. I like um, Warren Wiersbe's definition of... uh, Submission, Uh, Warren Wiersbe was a well-known pastor uh, primarily in the 20th century and uh, had a radio program for years and taught the Bible. And he wrote this, Submission is not subjugation. 
Subjugation turns a person into a thing, destroys individuality, and removes all liberty. That's a description of American slavery, turning people into property without human dignity. Submission makes a person become more of what God wants him to be. It brings out individuality. It gives him the freedom to accomplish all that God has for his life and ministry. Freedom allows us to become what God wants us to be. The big question is, is what is that freedom? And we're going to look at that in a little bit. Subjugation is weakness. It is the refuge of those who are afraid of maturity. Submission is strength. It is the first step toward true maturity and ministry. So, what about exceptions? Are there exceptions to this rule of subjection or submission? There are times of civil disobedience in the Bible. For example, in the book of Exodus, the, um, the Israelite midwives were ordered by Pharaoh, the supreme king of the land, to put to death all the male children that were uh, newly born, and they were to throw them into the Nile River. And the midwives refused to obey the king. We don't know whether they had any consequences or not. It looks like that they didn't. In Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were ordered to bow down before a statue of Nebuchadnezzar and worship him. And they refused. And there were consequences. And they were thrown into a blazing, fiery furnace. But God rescued them. And I, I want to I be really honest here. God doesn't promise always to rec- rescue us when we choose to serve Him ahead of someone else. Uh, he didn't rescue John the Baptist. He doesn't always rescue. But none of God's promises to John the Baptist were broken. God was faithful. Um, we know in the book of Acts, the apostles uh, were ordered to proclaim, to st- this was in Jerusalem in the first century, they were ordered to stop preaching about Jesus. And we see this in Acts uh, chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. And this is the uh, religious leaders speaking in Jerusalem, talking to the apostles, and, and they say, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, the name of Jesus, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. You're making us look bad. You're making us look guilty. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. And there's your answer. That's always the answer. Obeying God is the highest order, the highest responsibility, and it must always come first, always precede uh, any human authority. If you remember back uh, 
when we did look at Romans 13, we talked about having a dual citizenship. Uh, we have one foot on this earth, and we are, most of us are citizens of the United States, and maybe all of us are. And we, if we have placed our faith in Christ, we have a citizenship in heaven, and we, we have both worlds. We, we have a dual citizenship. But the United States is not our ultimate home. Our mission is not to make America great. Our mission is to help people connect with God and develop them into fully devoted followers of Christ. That's a higher mission. Um, we have a king, Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, that's higher than all human governments. His values and His orders always come first. And I confess it's amazing that we live in a country where we can disagree openly with our government. And um, we can uh, take out ads in the newspaper and disagree. We can write a letter to the editor and disagree. We can take out uh, ads on TV and disagree with our government. We can gather publicly and protest something that our government does or something in society that is wrong. And we can do that, and we can do it legally. And we can also do it in a way that honors God. And sadly, it, things like that often get done, sometimes by Christians, in a way that dishonors God. So, we are to submit to God's authority. Government is a part of God's authority. He has established government. We come to verses 16 and 17, and I want to read that. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 16. And Peter writes, Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Here's the part I love. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. Verses 16 and 17, we are to live as God's slaves. Some translations might say as God's servants. That's a good, that's a good translation. But the point is, we are to live in total submission to Christ above all. In verse 16, we are to recognize what true freedom is. And Peter writes, live as free people. Uh, sometimes I think in America we get this confused with freedoms and the Bill of Rights and um, what we deserve as American citizens and what our country says we should have. We get that confused with true freedom. And that, free, that confusion causes a whole lot of problems. And we see it every day in the news cycle. Um, what did Peter mean? True freedom comes only in our relationship with God through Christ. That's true freedom. Because we were slaves of sin... 
We were in bondage to sin. And when we placed our faith in Christ, He set us free from sin. From the bondage to sin. Now we can overcome it. We couldn't overcome it before. We were stuck. Whether we tried hard or not, we were stuck. And Jesus set us free from that power. And Jesus set us free from death. Eternal death. The wages of sin. And Jesus set us free to overcome the evil one. We have the resources right now in Christ to overcome Satan and all of his enemies, all of his demons. That freedom is true freedom, and it only comes through Christ. And Peter says, But do not use your freedom for a cover up for evil. Because we have freedom in Christ, we must not misuse it. We must not use our freedom as a cover-up for evil. Our freedom in Christ does not mean we are free to do whatever we want. Um, We aren't free to fall back into a self-centered and self-promoting lifestyle. We are under the authority of Jesus Christ first and foremost. We are free, but not free to be like the world. Uh, We are not free to badmouth or degrade people. We are not free to pursue our own pleasures. Let me just give you a quick illustration. Um, Probably when I was growing up, I would say once in this country, if you were to buy or sell pornographic materials, that was against the law. Today, any adult has the freedom to go buy and and sell and do whatever with pornographic materials. That's a freedom that I have as an American. It is not a freedom that I have as a follower of Christ. Um, Peter continues, he says, I think, uh, live as God's slaves. God is the one who redeemed us from the slavery to sin. Now we belong to Him. We are His. We are His possession. Now we are to offer our lives as living sacrifices back to Him. It's a voluntary choice of each of us. And God created us with a free will. If Jesus truly is Lord, what are the implications for us? on a daily basis. Um, How does that affect me? How does that affect my attitudes and my action? Um, We have freedoms in America, but we are not free to indulge in the flesh. Uh, we, We are free to follow God's value system. So, submission to Christ brings the greatest uh, freedom for us to be all that God wants us to be. Um, Oswald Chambers um, once said this, he says, whenever God touches sin, now think about this, whenever God touches sin, it is independence that is touched 
and then it awakens resentment in the human heart. If you are convicted of sin or someone comes up to you and points out one of your human flaws that dishonors God, what's your first response? Well, you may be humbled and want to say, I'm sorry right off the bat. That's really good. But oftentimes it, it, it causes us to be defensive and to deflect and say it's not true. And uh, it awakens resentment in the human heart. But freedom is the ability not to insist on my rights, but to see that God gets His. God has the final authority. I think it brings great confusion when we insist on our rights as Americans without considering our responsibilities to, as Christ's followers and what it means for us to really have freedom in Christ. Jesus said these words in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, and he said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. To hold to it, not just to vote for it, but to, to embrace it and to live it. His, what he taught, what his instructions, his commands. He says, you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's true freedom. Um, It's a reminder that freedom comes from following Christ. Freedom is not about the pursuit of my happiness. We have these inalienable rights in the Constitution, and, 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 and you know we, we have freedom of speech, and um, um, freedom, we have liberty, and we have uh, freedom to pursue our own happiness. And that could be good if it was all under the authority of God, but it can be very self-centered and selfish when it's about me pursuing my happiness at the expense of everything else and at the expense of dishonoring God. Verse 15, show proper respect to everyone. Peter writes, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Show proper respect to everyone. Why? Because God created all people with dignity. He created all people in His image. Many people badly behave because they have been treated badly. Hurt people often hurt people. When you start treating people with dignity, sometimes it really throws them off. And sometimes they're skeptical. But if you are faithful in treating people with dignity, often it starts to shine through. And they begin to understand that uh, there's something about you that's different. It's about showing respect to everyone, showing value to everyone, no matter who they are, no matter what their income level is, whether they're rich or they're poor, or uh, middle, whether they're, no matter what their skin color is, it makes no difference. We are to treat all people with dignity, show respect to everyone. 
He either says, love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now this refers to the church, refers to the bridge church family. It refers to people in other churches in our community. It refers to believers in churches all over the world. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Believe me, they are many way different than us. Um, Love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Whether they're Democrats or Republicans, whether they're Trump supporters or Biden supporters, love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Love them whether they're cool or they're not cool, whether they're highly intelligent or not so intelligent. Makes no difference. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ. And then Peter says, fear God. Shouldn't be a surprise to us. Fear Him and only Him. We, we have no reason to fear human authority. Now, I know that you could create a set of circumstances that would make us all um, nervous. But ultimately... Our highest priority. It is in God's hands. Um, Humans aren't going to ultimately take care of us. Human authority ultimately will not provide for us. Um, It's about fearing Him and only Him. It's about recognition of His awesome power. It's about acknowledging His absolute holiness. It's about uh, appreciation of His complete Sovereignty. It's about understanding His exacting justice. It's about responding to His love and His grace and His mercy. That's what our God is about. And that's just a slight description. And when we see who God is, it should be truly humbling and we will be in awe. Peter just says, don't forget your focus. Fear God. And then lastly, he says, honor the king. Show our political leaders respect. In the first century, there was a cult of emperor worship. You know, there were, there were groupies, and then there was even sometimes orders, commands to, to worship the, the, the emperor as God. Um, we don't have anything like that in, in America. But we do have um, something similar for political candidates. When people take their political candidate and a political agenda and they put it way up here as priority. And God is not... God is under that priority. Um, when a political an agenda is viewed as the most important thing. Sometimes Americans make um, electing their candidate as the most important thing in life. We are to honor our government leaders. We are to treat them with respect no matter who they are. 
We have a president now, and we are to honor him. I don't know who's going to be the president in 2021, but we are to honor him. This is God's strategy for his church. This, the way we live will have an impact on the gospel. Do we want to win arguments, or do we want to win people? Um, by placing our lives under God's authority, and the authorities of his choice, whether it's a federal government or a state government or a local government, or if it's our employee, uh, employer, or if it's our school system, uh, we are to place our lives under God's ordained authority. And when we disagree with our government or its officials, we have freedom of speech. We can, we can disagree. We can publicly protest. We can take out commercials on TV. We can write letters to the editor, but we must honor God above all in the way that we do it. We can protest in a God-honoring way. We can disagree in a God-honoring way. In the second century, about 130 AD, there was a letter written to Diognetus, um, and it was written by uh, an early Christian. I'd like to read you a portion of it. Listen to this. This is like 130 A.D. Jesus was crucified around 30 A.D. Uh, the Apostle John lived to around 95, 96 A.D. John's disciples were alive, and the people who knew John personally, the Apostle John, were alive in 130 AD. And here's what uh, this letter says, a quote, the difference between Christians and the rest of mankind is not a matter of nationality or language or customs. Christians do not live in separate cities of their own, speak any special dialect, dialect not practice any eccentric way of life. They pass their lives in whatever township, Greek or foreign, each man's, lot has, each man's lot has determined and conform to ordinary local usage in their clothing, diet, and other habits. Nevertheless, the organization of their community does exhibit some features that are remarkable and even surprising. For instance, though they are Residents at home in their countries, their behavior there is more like transients. Though destiny has placed them here in the flesh, they, they do not live after the flesh. Their days are passed on earth, but their citizenship is above in the heavens. They obey the prescribed laws, but in their own private lives, they transcend the laws. They show love to all men, and all men persecute them. They are misunderstood and condemned, yet suffering death. They are quickened into life. They are poor, yet making many rich, lacking all things, yet having all things in abundance. They repay curses with blessings and abuse with courtesy. For the good they do, they suffer stripes as evildoers. And they had a huge impact in their world. A huge impact. Let's pray. Would you stand with me? Father, we are reminded of Peter's instructions to us about authority. 
we all respond to authority in different ways for different reasons. We just want to acknowledge, first of all, the Lordship of Jesus Christ because of His love for us and His sacrifice for us and the redemption we've received because of the price that was paid. And we, we worship you and we say thank you. We acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he is Lord of all and he is King of kings and Lord of lords. God, we acknowledge that you have placed human authority over us. And as a general rule, our job is to follow instructions and to obey um, law And we acknowledge there may be times that we disagree and we, we protest. And uh, thank you that we live in a country that allows that. And may we, may we disagree with people in ways that do not dishonor them and in ways that do not dishonor you. May you use our lifestyle, our attitudes, and our actions to have an influence in our society, because you have called us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. In Jesus' name, amen.